This is the Small Mouth Crush Podcast Season 2. If you're a hardcore angler, you've come to the right place. Podcast that will interview some of the top local and regional anglers in North America. Anglers who consistently finish near the top in both largemouth and smallmouth bass fishing tournaments. Travis and his guest will discuss techniques and strategies used to help these anglers stay so consistent and help you become a better angler and gain an edge on your body of water and now here's your host of the smallmouth crush podcast travis manson hello welcome to the smallmouth crush podcast my name is travis manson talking with some of the top local and regional bass anglers across the country going to get into it shortly but before we go there of course we're going to talk about the real shot real shot supports the smallmouth crush podcast and they are the go-to shop for bass anglers across the country We've got a lot of assortment of tackle, high-end rods and reels, outstanding terminal tackle selection, and everything in between. The Real Shops website is bound to have what you're looking for. Same-day shipping, oftentimes free shipping. Go check it out. You guys know they got everything you need. Megabass, Jackal, Evergreen, Daiwa Shimano, Dirty Jigs, St. Croix Rods, Guggen Baits. They even got Guggen Baits. Who knew? And so much more. Use my code smallmouthcrush15, and you'll actually get 15% off your first order over at therealshot.com. Pretty cool little deal for the viewers and listeners of the podcast. Well, let's do it. Let's uh let's bring our next guest on. Corey, how are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Man, I'm excited to have you. We got a, a, a Wisconsin Wisconsin night. I guess that's what you call us. I'm a former Wisconsin Knight. It's an amazing place to fish for bass because oftentimes there's so many different situations, so many different bodies of water, so many different techniques that you can use. And I see you like walleye fishing in the background too a little bit. That was a long time ago. Right, right. We used to, we used to do a little bit of that in the winter. Got to catch walleyes if you're in Wisconsin. You know, before we get into it, I really would like if you could take a moment to talk a little bit about yourself as far as your background some of the areas that you fish and, and currently what you're what you're up to in the bass fishing world. Growing up, I, I grew up in western Wisconsin. It's trout country, and we never had a boat or anything growing up and cut my teeth doing that, really. I, five days a week, I lived on a trout river and kind of set me up for river fishing in general. Out of high school, when I got into bass fishing, I had a friend that had moved up towards Amory, Wisconsin, and we, we fished a lot of natural lakes, and that's kind of where we got into bass fishing. Since then, I, I've really focused on the Mississippi River, and it took me mm-hmm. a long time to realize that fishing on that river is just like fishing on the small rivers that I grew up trout fishing, only it's bigger and you're in a boat. Those fish mm-hmm. act the same way in current, and, and it that trout fishing 30 years ago set me up for success down the road. I know a lot of the top guys I know from this area grew up pretty much the same way. You make it sound so easy. It's just similar to a little trout stream. I know you guys that got the rivers dialed in, it does come easy. But for a lot of anglers out there that that see these big rivers all over the country that that hold great populations of both largemouth and smallmouth, it's it can be very in, intimidating if you're not familiar f- with with that type of fishing environment. If you're used to a a lake or a reservoir. And now you're going into a river system that has current that has constantly changing, you know, whether it be high water, low water, dirty water, 
clean water, vegetation, changing sandbars, all kinds of stuff, fun things to hit with your boat. Where does one start? Like what, what kind of advice could you give someone just general advice when it comes to river fishing? Honestly, I, what, what changed everything for me was my, my old partner, um, by the name of Mike Mattis, a couple days in the boat with a guy like that. And I was ready to roll and seeing how this, the stuff that I had learned on the natural lakes applies in the, the trout fishing I had done. It was, it became much easier to apply it after I saw the way he was tackling fishing wing dams or, or going into a backwater and looking for largemouth. At the end of the day, it's still fishing. After that, it's been a lot of time on the water and a lot of days with your boat broken down because you hit a stump or. <laughs> right. What would be a couple key points that you, you took away from some of those days in the boat with him? as far as breaking down a river system and what to look for? Kind of segmentizing, I guess. You know, it's like going anywhere. I, I, I haven't been near as many places as you have across the country, but you don't want to go to a big body of water and try to tackle it all at once, right? Maybe say say I go to a new pool that I've never been to, pool 13. I'm not going to try and fish top to bottom in a day. I might focus on one backwater for a day and and work my way out or in however that would be but trying not to spread yourself too thin i think is is a lot of how he went about all of it uh i took that with me for sure so would you recommend perhaps if you have a strength on an inland body of water maybe before you get to a river system look for areas on say a map or google earth that you could perhaps apply those inland bodies of water to a river, because you're right. It is massive. And, you know, come to think about the few times I fished on the Mississippi river, just remembering how, how much stuff, how much good looking structure and in places you would think fish should be. Mm -hmm. And you can just keep running and stopping and running and stopping and not catching sometimes. That's that's the frustrating part is every, every inch of that river, every stump on that river is going to hold a fish sometime through the year. It's hard to, to siphon through that. We draw people from all over Wisconsin and Minnesota. At some point in the year, there's always always out-of-towners on the river. And good fishermen are good fishermen. And, and to see how these guys, like for the Minnesota State Tournament this year out of Wabshaw, they caught fire out of them in ways that I never would have. And they found hmm. stuff that I never would have found. It's pretty amazing. Even some of the high school kids that I've talked to over the years that um, I remember one in particular that I think he ended up winning that high school tournament and he, he was from the Wolf River. The stuff that kid found was very valuable down the road for me even. He just did what he does and, and figured it out. So he went with a technique or, or a pattern that he had confidence in. Yep, exactly. Yeah. What do you think separates yourself when it comes to being able to consistently do well in tournaments and stay ahead of all these guys that are gunning for you? I mean, there's, like you said, there's a lot of great river fishermen, but to stay on top and consistently at the top in tournaments, there's got to be some type of factor. Or what would you say some factors that come into play it's to a, help you be so consistent? To me, for me, I have the luxury I'm self-employed team tournament partner owns a bar restaurant. So we both have plenty of time to put in and we're out there all the time. It's a lot of getting up at four in the morning when you don't want to get up at four in the morning. And I, I live an hour away from, from the good part of the Mississippi. So I have to get up and drive down there and 
it stinks a lot of days, but you gotta want to do it. And I, mm-hmm. we're, we're both driven that way, I guess. So, so a lot of time on the water and just putting the time in and, and fishing effectively and smart, trying to pre- prepare for, for your next event. So for the viewers and listeners that are not familiar, I mean, obviously the Mississippi river is huge, right? It runs all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, we're talking specifically uh, the border of Wisconsin and Minnesota, where there's, it's split up by what we call pools and each pool has a dam. And of course you can lock through in some tournaments uh, you're allowed to. And, and that also plays a role in the game plan for that, for that particular tournament. But with the river changing so much, and we mentioned earlier when we, when we started, just the fact that you have high water years, you have low water years, you have flash floods, you have so much that goes on. Even I, I just, that time on the water is probably helpful, but, I, I gotta believe you gotta stay on top of the ever changing conditions as it as it occurs. Absolutely. And this this year was definitely that. <laughs> we had we've had high water for 10 years and it just piled sand up and piled sand up. And then this year we get stuck with a low water year, so there's that much water on top of all this sand. And it took a couple months now, it finally rechannelized itself, I guess. But that's an example of, yeah, you, I mean, every day things are different. Now, after the the summer, we've been able to run things that I've never even dreamt to be able to run safely. Really changed for the better in that instance, but you wouldn't know that if you weren't out there every day, I guess. Right. Where do and, you find yourself uh, targeting, you know, bass on, on the Mississippi River more often in the main river? Or are you one of the backwater types? Or is it kind of a mixture of, of whatever works for that particular day? It's a mix of both. I mean, all year you got to be watching the channel and watching the backwaters. And, you know, the pools I fish, we've been doing that long enough that you want to be in, in this backwater at this time because the large mouth will be going or on the channel because the small mouth, you know a lot of timing and local knowledge at this point too. What pools are you most familiar with? Three through probably five, a, I would say, and the St. Croix river being part of three. So that's a lot. That's a lot of water there. What would be your favorite? If you could just, if you had a free day to go have fun. Oh boy. Has to be on the river. I'd like, like to hear your other opinion if it's not on the river, but yeah, let's stick to the river. Um, If it's on the river. Probably pool four. Pool four? If if it's not the river, where are you heading? <laughs> Just some small lakes up north, little hammer small holes. Small lakes, yeah. Yeah, I, there's still some of those little potholes and stuff that are pretty near and dear, you know. Places that don't necessarily have tournaments on or, or too yeah, small? Too, yeah, too small. What do you like about that? I assume just getting away from the crowd or fish are a little more cooperative, or do you get to try some different techniques there? It, the different technique thing for me, big time. You have to be diverse to fish the river for sure. I find myself going up north and, and I'm more willing to get outside of the box because I don't have to catch fish. You know, I'm not pressured to, to find them in practice or to catch them on tournament day. I can go up there and drop shot or something I don't typically do and mm-hmm. try to gain confidence in it. And more often than not, you, you find something that you really like. With so much going on in the Mississippi and so many different ways to catch them, What's some of your favorite techniques uh, that you find yourself utilizing throughout the year? I love Carolina rigging. I always have dragon, you know, swing head, a football head. Once you got them dialed and you can 
sit there and pick the school apart, catch every last dang one of them. And, you know, we've even, I've even resorted to a spinning rod at times the last couple of years. I love that Carolina rig and drag and anything. So Carolina rig and the football, also dragging the football head. You talked a little bit about a swivel head or a pivot head. Yep. That's something that's interesting. You know, I'd love to uh, go a little deeper on this topic a little bit. I definitely want to talk about your 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 Carolina rig setup and how you approach that. But getting uh, back to the football head and the swivel or pivot head, what would determine, say, a classic football head jig with a trailer versus a pivot head? Like, where do you make that decision to throw? Oh, to throw one versus the other. Mm-hmm. I will throw a swing head just about anywhere. You know, shells, sand, because you, you can keep it moving a little more. Uh, football okay. head, I, I, personally, I like a gravel pile or something like that. Good know. chunk rock to throw the football. And then, of course, the uh, the pivot. What are some of your favorite trailers to throw on a pivot head? And, and, and really, if you could talk to me a little bit about your whole rod setup and line setup when it comes to that. Is it similar to a football head? I throw what the heck is that a seven two medium heavy X Pride, I believe, for both. I've probably got five of those rods in my boat, so if it's got nothing tied on it, that's what I'm putting it on. As far as trailers go, I mean if you remember back um when Tommy Biffle won that one in the cross, mm-hmm. we we got into the Biffle bug thing like everybody else and I've kind of gone back to that now. Um, still catches them. Still catches them, absolutely. Even a tube. We keep everything pretty simple, to be honest with you. Times we'll throw a, a sanko on. And I assume you're throwing that around main river types of structure and things like that, or is it a little bit um, both? Gen- generally, yeah. I w- uh-huh. Generally, yes. But you'll find shell beds in those back shoots and everything like that. Okay. So really anywhere there's current. But how do you go about actually locating those and, and find out, you know, this is where I need to throw a pivot head or a football jig or, or a, a Carolina rig. A bunch of different ways. I, I know a lot of guys will use their electronics to do that. I'm watching my 360 all the time and you can see the shiny, you know, to know it's there. But years back, you know, I, if I know, if I know there's a tree that I can catch a fish out of every time I go to it, I'll start looking around. There's more than a good tree there. You know, there's something, something else going on. Either there's a sand drop nearby or in nine times out of 10, what I've found is it is shells or hard, you know, we call shell mm-hmm. dragging that Carolina rig as much as we do. You find that kind of stuff, you know, you always got that sitting on the deck. And if you start getting suspicious, throw it and, and you might mm-hmm. find something riffles. You gotta, you gotta see why that riffles there. You know, Read the current. Yes. Generally a shell bed. So throwing a Carolina rig around these shell beds, these hard spots, what's your setup? Are you a braid or are you straight floral type of guy? Or what, what do you like on your, on your sea rig? Straight floral. Um, I'm throwing 20 pound most of the time. These those Carolina keepers. I don't even know who makes them. They're a little plastic tab. So mm-hmm. there's no swivel. And then a bead, bead and a clacker. And depending on what we're, what we're dragging, it'll be anywhere from three to three quarter ounce. Three-eighths to three-quarter. Yeah. I think of my days of sea rigging on some of the bigger smallmouth bodies of water, it's hard to go below an ounce. So that's interesting. So sometimes you'll go a little light. As far as your beta choice, uh, you, you said you 
wide range of baits, but what do you gravitate towards most often when you're throwing a Carolina rig? I, the baby brush hog is hard to beat. Baby brush hog. Sure. Rig, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, 90% of the time, I guess that's what we're dragging around. Not a big secret up and down the river, I don't believe. And, and so in recent memory, do you have some examples in tournaments where you've actually done extremely well? in thanks to a sea rig or dragon or do you find yourself having to maybe throw a frog for part of the day or you know throw a senko or can you rely on that technique and and make things happen with it thank years ago when when mike mattis and i were fishing together say 2015 ish it seemed like that bite was a lot better that's why i say i think there's a lot of guys throwing what we throw maybe it doesn't Mm. it's not as good as it used to be but okay all right, so a lot of different bottom baits. Are you? What other techniques are you using as well throughout the river system? Well, it, it changes. It varies as the year goes, for sure. I mean, you got to have a frog. You got to have a swim jig. Once that top water bite starts rolling, that's a fun one. All right, Kurt. So I know I know you teamed up with Bagley this year, and they make some great crankbaits, a wide variety of different baits, and they're coming on strong. Epic Eric, who's on the live quite a bit with me, he's a crankbait fanatic when it comes to uh bagley's and all the old school stuff but they're really making a strong push in the crankbait world again and not that they went away but they're really coming on strong i know you utilize a crankbait quite a bit what are some different times of year and, and different places that you're throwing that crankbait on the river we start starting in the spring cranking laydowns square bills or square billing yeah yeah mm-hmm. square bill square bill wood turns to square bill and riprap as the year kind of goes on and even around beds in the spring we can't always can't generally sight fish on the river oh sure square bill you know if they swipe at it like they do on a bed they're getting hooked and then right into the fall we'll crank sand and wing dams and then right back into the wood in the late fall that that is a red hot deal um, well, that's squirt. another, that's another thing, you know, as far as the Mississippi river, there's so much man-made structure there. If you want to throw a crankbait all day, that's the place to throw it. Yeah. Absolutely. Go to town, put the trolling motor on high and just go. Mm-hmm. We hardly even touched on the wing dams because there's, I don't know. Do you ever count how many are on that system? <laughs> there's a lot, right? And fish holding structure is every wing dam created equal. Do you find that? No. Certain times a year, they'll utilize a wing dam over another, or can you get on a consistent pattern when it comes to wing dams? You can definitely get on a pattern with them. It, the water's the water has to be right. It has to be the right time of year. Generally, that's you're talking August, September, October, and they're definitely not all created equal. It's a matter of a lot of the times. It's just a matter of fishing every single one of them, especially if you're on a new pool. You know, it always helps if there's a, a large backwater near it or something like that. But there's times where just a random crummy looking wing dam is, is the one you want. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's definitely always a, a starting point with that on a new pool. But you never do know. Always got to have a crankbait or a rattle trap. So you got Same a wide thing. variety of baits on the deck and techniques. Yeah. It's very rare we don't have 15 rods out. I mean, it's almost like junk fishing, but junk fishing in areas that you spent so much time and are very familiar with. And that kind of lends itself to what we talked about before with with narrowing down on an area, right? 
so even during our practices, say we start getting them in a particular backwater, we're going to find everything we can in that backwater. And it might be smallmouth, it might be largemouth, but it's much nicer to only have to run 200 yards instead of two miles to another spot. And we can just you know, have a, have a frog tied up for largemouth and then have a top water for the smallmouth spot that's right there. So that's a lot of why we're having to have so many rods out, I guess. What's your favorite time of year to fish the river? Ooh, spring and fall. Spring and fall. I, I oh. would not be able to pick one, but it's pretty, pretty unreal. When are your tournament season? It, are you able to pretty much have the luxury of fishing a tournament as, as many as there are in a river, like just pick a weekend and go? Is that how you kind of approach your tournament? Brian and I, my partner and I fish every one of them. I mean, if there's a, somebody wants to fish for a cheeseburger, we'll do that. Right. Yeah. So, and we're, we're kind of trying to get away from it. Just that you start getting seen and that sort of stuff it makes it, makes it harder. Yeah. So you're out there every, every weekend fishing the tournament. And let's say you have a big one coming up. I mean, how do you prepare? What, what goes in to a week of preparing for a large event where there's a little bit more money on the line, a little more big names perhaps coming uh, for that event, or maybe it's a qualifier or a championship. What are you going to do differently during that practice week? We're always looking for new stuff. I mean, it doesn't matter how well, you know, think, you know, there's always something else and you kind of, you know, A, B and C are going to be good. So you start looking for D, E and F and maybe find something, maybe you don't, but it is, it's amazing how much stuff is out there that I, I don't know. You start talking to people at weigh-ins or whatever. And what are you doing over there? That kind of deal. And I had no idea that was even there. When I think of the Mississippi and I think of past big tournaments, you think of the elites, you know, that they've been there a lot. The MLF's been there. There's been a lot of big events. Has any of those techniques or areas kind of like, wow, I didn't know that. Or, or was it pretty obvious how that tournament was going to go down? Is there anything that jumps out or surprises you in those big, big time tournaments that the first one went there mine would be Aaron Martins, obviously. I mean, that deal he had in the, in the black river was un, unbelievable. There just seems to, to be so much to that place in so many different places to fish. Again, it's so hard to know where to start. Uh, there's a lot of people spending their vacations and their time now up in that zone. It's, it's definitely the hot place to go within 300 miles of here, you know, Sturgeon Bay and Malax. And, but the, there's definitely a lot more pressure. And, but like we talked about a few minutes ago, there is not a bad stretch of bank or mm-hmm. rock on that entire fishery. It's just a matter of that day. You know, time right. is everything. Understanding that migration, are they coming? Are they going? How are they going to get in and out of these backwaters on rising water, falling water? And I I have, again, I haven't been as many places as you have, but I think a lot of that would apply on a, on a Southern reservoir, you know, mm-hmm. it's a pretty similar deal. So these people that are coming in probably have a pretty good understanding, way better understanding than I had starting out down there. Looking back over the last year or two, what were some, some moments when it comes to tournament fishing that stick out or stand out? Well, the, the big one on our pools is the Dick Kiley St. Jude Bass Classic and we're in the basically my whole wardrobe is sweatshirts from that tournament but uh-huh we've been pretty lucky we've 
we've won it a couple times here and that's a big deal that's yeah, a big it's, event. A, it's a good one for around here i mean it's about as big a team tournament as you'll find in the upper midwest outside of the, the sturgeon bay open get a lot of big names coming into it and, and it feels pretty good to even get a check there and let alone win it so you, how many times you've won it twice you said three times now three times yeah what yeah. years 18 we won it in 2018 and then it got canceled in 2019 for high water and then in 2020 we wanted it got moved to the fall it was that was an interesting dynamic it's always in the spring and they moved it to the fall which probably played in our favor a little bit and then we won it last year in 21 so back in the spring back, or back in the spring this year yeah yep. wow we were i think we were sitting in third maybe after the first day and the weights were really low i mm. can't even i think 18 pounds on six fish it was fishing really tough especially for the spring and the second day my partner and i got our heads together and decided we were gonna roll the dice big time and hope that they were gonna spawn basically and they did this whole tournament's based on your boat takeoff is based on fundraising for St. Jude's and mm-hmm. we were lucky enough to be in the top 10. So that top 10 gets an extra half an hour in the morning, which saved our bacon. We got to the, we locked through and we got to the lock and there was a barge coming right behind us. And it basically kept everybody off of the pool we were going to for two and a half hours. We had around wow. ended up with six nice small. I, they were still, the weights were down. I think we maybe had 20 pounds on six that day. So you to- went to a total different area for day two? You're like, yeah, this is what you need everything. to do. We scrapped everything. It was pretty obvious what was going to happen. And we had a hunch. I guess that's the rest is history there. But yeah, very cool. No, it's always interesting. I mean, that's a that's a big deal to win three times. Uh, that says something right there. So we'll see if you can get it done uh, this year for win number four in that tournament. I assume you're going to try to do a little bit more fundraising to uh, get that first, uh, that, that early, early boat draw, just in case that, that happens again. We got a good start, but we're going to try and do more for sure. How, how can people support that? You can go right to the uh, Dick Hiley, Dick Hiley St. Jude Bass Classic website. If you want, there's, there's a lot of ways to donate. If you live in the area, there's all kinds of uh, banquets going on, you know, about every, every town, somebody's putting on a banquet. Tournament wide, I can't remember exactly last year. I believe we were five hundred and eighty thousand dollars raised for the kids. So it's a it's a big deal. How many boats are typically in that? Been running about ninety to hundred. Again, we're in the upper Midwest. That's a pretty good sized tournament. It is. Absolutely. We get Seth Seth Fighters fish it a bunch of times and Jacob Wheeler and uh, Pat Schlop or a bunch of bunch of the elite guys and pretty pretty stiff field. Speaking of that and your your tournament track record where do you want to take this are you happy just dominating the river or do you want to expand in the future what are your goals when it comes to to fishing well i'm at a i'm at a point in my life my daughter's going to be 11 in a couple weeks here and she still thinks dad's kind of cool so i'm gonna spend (laughs) as much time as i can with her and it's definitely in the mix i I would like to do a little traveling and try something you know fish the Mm -hmm. old or, or toyotas or whatever that might be so, yeah, so it sounds like, I mean, that's like, that's an awesome tournament, a great event for a good cause. Uh, we're actually going to put that information uh, down in the description of this podcast. So if anyone does want to help out or participate, it seems like a, a fun time and they got a chance to try to try to beat you. <laughs> it's, it's, know. it's an awesome event. It really is. It, fishing aside, nobody leaves there 
looking at the ground, feeling bad about things, you know. Oh, it, right. Yeah. It's it's really cool. So Very I encourage cool. everybody to think about it at least. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. i got a couple more questions for Corey. We want to find out what his biggest bass is on the Mississippi, personal best, and then, you know, the, the usual question, the question we ask every guest, if there's one bait they could use for the whole season, what's that going to be? We're going to find out after this. You're listening to the Smallmouth Crush Podcast. Don't rush out to the water just yet. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, I teamed up with Beast Coast Fishing to design this killer little jig. Whether you're fishing for smallmouth, largemouth, even spotted bass, this thing is sneaky. Designed with proven fish-catching characteristics, it's a tiny little finesse football jig. It's called the Open Water Sniper. Of course, it's smallmouth crush approved. They come in a wide variety of different colors. This one here is... Sexy Melon. We got Mothman, Straight Black, Green Pumpkins. So you notice they actually have a few less strands than your standard football jig. No weed guard. You're going to be throwing this the same place. You're going to throw an open water, say, exposed hook tube. So anytime you're around that type of structure, it's going to work real well in rocks, hard bottom. And all you're going to be doing is dragging this along. You can do a drag and stop, a continuous retrieve. You can put a little tiny swim bait. On the back of that. There's so many different ways you can fish this jig. I've put a TRD on the back of it and looked at them on the graph and dropped straight down and just let it sit there. They're going to hit it. They're going to bite it. The whole point of this jig is to actually emphasize the trailer that you're going to use. So notice the small strands. The hook is very stout. It's perfect. It's got an awesome keeper for your plastics. I've caught so many fish on this this year. It will put more fish in the boat. Go check them out. Hey, listen, they got a lot of other great products as well. BeastCoastFishing.com and pick yourself up. The OW, Open Water Sniper Jig, Smallmouth Crush Approved. Corey, I'd love to know what your personal best is. Basically anywhere. Toledo Bend, 9.34. How'd you catch him? Or her, I should say. Uh, Chatterbait, we were practicing for a divisional tournament. And I think it was the day before the tournament, maybe two days. Uh huh. I thought, oh, I better go check that one cold. But it seemed like things were going to stack up and be all being first cast. Right. That, but whatever. I didn't do worth a hoot in the tournament anyway. So, uh huh. More than cool to see that. But we had a the guy that was with me the first day, I caught a 10 and a half. So he still had bragging rights. But do you get the chance to fish uh, across? the country and some championships or, you know, fishing the Mississippi river. Is there some events that lead to a championship that are sometimes in other parts of the region or was that kind of a. Locally, like within Wisconsin and Minnesota. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. We'll the UMBCS Greg Kazuski is the, the big one around here, I guess, but it's all in Wisconsin and Minnesota, mm-hmm. but I do, I, Try and take a spring trip every year somewhere, whether it's Rayburn, Toledo Bend, Table Rock. Again, trying to get ready for maybe trying to fish the open someday. Or you know, there's there's a lot to see. So if I was to give you one bait to use for the whole season on the Mississippi River, whether it be for largemouth, smallmouth, now you can rig it a bunch of different ways, perhaps whatever the bait yeah. you decide. But um, you got to stick with one. And it's just kind of a fun question. I'm always curious what someone 
like what their high confidence or go-to bait would be, what well, would that bait be for you? The inner river guy, I got to go with the swim jig. Swim jig. So the Mississippi River is actually really well known for throwing a swim jig. A lot of big events and a lot of local tournaments have been won, and a lot of anglers catch a lot of fish there with that swim jig. I think because just the variety of structure and the places that you can fish that, whether it be grass or wood, you can you know you can fish it down rocky banks, however you want to fish that. But there's something about a swim jig on the Mississippi River in that area that really does something it puts puts fish in a boat what what do you think the reason is behind that and the reason why it's so effective on that particular stretch of the river i would imagine it's got something to do with our forage base you know they're, they're shad eaters i can see all the time but most of the time the fish on on these pools of this river are eating bait fish of some sort mm-hmm. so that's a that is a fact <laughs> What would the brand of uh, of swim jig be for you? Your well, I got a, a friend of mine that pours them for me. But if I had to pick a brand, probably all terrain. All terrain. Yeah, I like the I like that head they've got. It's a little bit different. Comes through the weeds real nice. So a lot of different trailers you can throw on a swim jig, whether it be a, a grub, a twin tail, a swim bait, creature baits. Do you find yourself sticking with just one trailer and maybe changing colors, or do you have a wide variety of different trailers based on you know time of year and what you're trying to accomplish with that swim jig? It's time of year. I, to me, it would be the, the one thing that you said that sticks out in my mind. I, I like a swim bait, and if that's not going, I'll throw a grub on. About all I do anymore, right? If the single tail or? Single tail grub. Yeah. yeah, it catches them. It does. Double. It does. So, a typical retrieve with a swim jig for you, what does that consist of? Generally, we're we're working it very erratically. Um, a lot of jerking and popping, but that changes day to day too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it could be just a, a, a as simple as stopping your reel handle or speeding your reel handle up. It's all day to day and feeling the fish out. I generally, for whatever reason, like to start really popping it though and just see how aggressive they are that day. Standard sa- standard weight on on your swim jig is quarter is and a quarter f- for me, but yeah, there's definitely there's times where we'll go heavier. And if I'm up north, I like throwing a big three quarter one ounce, you know, on a deep rock pile or something like that. That's a fun bite. Generally on the river, what we're what we're fishing is shallow. Quarter ounce is pretty standard. All right, so we know the bait of choice is going to be a swim jig. I guess we're going to have to put a trailer on that. Is it a swim bait or is it that uh, single tail grub? Just if I had to pick one trailer, if you had to pick one. I would go with a skinny dipper all day. Skinny dipper, okay. All right, we got to narrow it down even further because I kind of gave you two baits. I mean, I don't know. The, the question was one <laughs> bait. I you said know, I was cheating. I'm gonna you drag were that cheating. Too, you know. uh, as far as color, what would be a go-to color on the river for you? White. If Straight I had to pick, white. yeah, that's shad, shad, shad. You know, that's kind of what we're usually chasing. I know one thing about the river in the fall. It seems like they really get aggressive and schooled up, and and really, I guess I want to say. Per- predictable areas and sometimes they can be stacked 
And I believe just based on my limited experience there in the past, a lot of that had to do with the shad and where they were grouped up and feeding. So I would imagine a swim jig with that skinny dipper in white would be the perfect bait to present to those types of fish, especially in the fall and that time of year. I'm sure you've experienced multiple cast after cast when it's oh, on, right? When it's on, it's on. Yeah, it's gone for yeah. sure. Well, good stuff, Corey. I'm excited for you. I hope you do well in the uh, the next big event there on the Mississippi River. And my big takeaway from this podcast was pick an area and try to break it down and, and condense that zone because there's so much water. Pick a section that looks good on a map and maybe something that resonates with the techniques that you have the most confidence in. So if you're a Carolina rig guy, I think you'll You'll do well there. I think if you want to frog, you can frog. You mentioned crankbaits. I mean, we talked about a variety of baits. There's just so much going into, you know, fishing that river system. You talked about having 15 or more rods on the deck ready to go in an event, which, uh, I mean, you got to be a true versatile angler to be able to tackle that ever-changing body of water. So, man, keep it up. You're doing a great job up there. So how can people uh, follow you next year and and uh, watch your tournaments as, as they – progress through the season well i guess we're, we'll be fishing the umbcs with greg kazuski and the, the st jude dick highly st jude bass classic and hopefully you won't find our names too far down the list but you never know i doubt it that's gotta be a lot of pressure though i'll tell you i don't know nah no we're, we're due for we've we've had plenty of stinkers <laughs> and we'll have plenty more so that is true when it comes to tournament fishing there's uh the highs and lows, but you're definitely on top of your game at this point. We wish you the best of luck in the future for sure. Thank you for having me, Travis. I appreciate it. And I got to say thanks to Bagley Bagley Crankbaits and Northland Fishing Tackle. Looking forward to working with those guys. And as always, guys, until next time, we'll see you on the water. Thanks so much for listening today. Make sure that you're subscribed to the show and follow us on Instagram at Smallmouth Crush. Also, the YouTube channel, Smallmouth Crush. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a five-star rating and comment with a review below. And as always, until next time, we'll see you on the water.